Welcome to the Advance Born Global podcast. I'm Johanna Pittman, CEO of Advance, the non-profit organisation that shines a spotlight on the impact of outstanding global Australians. In this podcast series, we meet all 34 game changers recognised in the 2022 Global Australian Awards. These inspiring game changers generously share the story of their international career journey with us, the highlights and challenges, and what motivates them in their work. I hope you enjoy getting to know these inspiring game changers. In this episode, you will meet Nicole Rycroft, who was awarded the Sustainability Award in the 2022 Global Australian Awards. I was fascinated by how much of a trailblazer Nicole has been in her thinking around supply chains and the role supply chains play in driving or destroying sustainability outcomes. I also loved hearing her relive the moment she created this business from the ground up. I hope you will too. Joining me on this interview is Kathy Campbell, the producer of the Global Australian Awards. Wanted to understand if you were speaking to a high school audience, let's say, describing what you do. What does your day-to-day look like? Oh, wow. What does my day-to-day look like? Uh, It is really varied. I mean, um, when I was in school, I didn't think that I was going to become a professional tree hugger. Um, But uh, that's where I've ended up. It's a great place uh, to end up. You know, it's nice to get out of bed every morning and feel passionate about the work that you get to do. That feels like such a gift. Um, And so my days really vary from meeting with local NGO partners or Indigenous community leaders who are on the front lines of, of trying to stop deforestation and forest degradation, to meeting with some of the world's leading scientists around the most cutting edge kind of conservation science or climate science that there is out there. Um, to working with our brand partners, so large companies that buy either a lot of rayon and viscose uh, or paper-based packaging, companies like H&M or Stella McCartney, and helping them to develop cutting-edge environmental policies. And sometimes it's working with funky, game-changing innovators that have just really cool technologies that are part of the path towards climate stability. So it does, it really, it really varies and that's part of, part of what keeps it fun. That's a great way to um, yeah, hear the variety of your role. And you mentioned that you didn't always see yourself as being a professional tree hugger, but what, what did you expect your goal to, what was your goal at that point when you were leaving school? Uh, So when I graduated from high school, I uh, went immediately into studying for, to become a physiotherapist. Um, uh, So I was on a kind of science and healthcare track. Um, I was also an elite level athlete. I was a lightweight rower uh, in New South Wales. Um, And so those two things uh, together uh, consumed my post uh, high school and post university uh, years. 
but I always felt really passionate about the world's wild places and forest ecosystems. And, you know, Australia is so amazing uh, with the smells and the sounds and the colors and, and the heat. And I think it just got a love of wild places got woven into my fabric. And at some point I just felt like, okay, you know, this is a turnaround decade. This is a period of time where we need to be doing more to stabilize our climate and biodiversity. And why not? jump on in and, and start an NGO that's really geared towards trying to drive solutions that are at a scale that's proportional to the problems that we're grappling with. And given your background, but also given that even the thought of supply chains and some of the actions that you've, you've pioneered was so new, how did you go about setting up that NGO and knowing what the focus was going to be? Well, I've always been a bit of a jump in with both feet kind of gal. Uh, surprise, surprise. Um, so I literally, I started Canopy at my kitchen table with an $1,800 budget and just really with a passion for wild places and a belief that we could be doing things in a smarter way that we didn't need to be chopping down 800 year old trees or koala habitat to make pizza boxes and t-shirts um, and I just kind of figured that we'd work the rest out from there uh, and we have it's been a really fun and exhilarating ride uh, and supply chains don't sound very sexy uh, but um, that's where the vast majority of climate impacts for a company lays 90% of it lies in their supply chains and uh, if you look at forest degradation or human rights um, violations around the world, it's the supply and demand world uh, that is often at the root cause of them. And so I started Canopy really uh, to try and deal with the systemic drivers of forest degradation and deforestation. Wow, yep. And it's certainly um, now an area that so many people are focused on Tell us about how uh, your international journey weaved into that. Did you start Canopy in Vancouver or how did that come about? Your, um, and what role did it play being based overseas? Yeah, so I, I would say that the kernel of the idea for Canopy started when I was still in Australia, right? Like I was passionate about Australian forests um, and Australian forests within the broader global context. Um, I'd volunteered with some uh, environmental NGOs in Australia and then I set off to Southeast Asia and did a couple of years of volunteer work and traveling, um, spent some time documenting the link between human rights violations and environmental degradation on the Burmese border. And it was there that really the penny dropped of, you know, it, Human rights violations and environmental degradation are largely being driven by um, as externalized kind of impacts or costs of global supply chains. Um, and I was moving to North America to the belly of the beast of global consumption and I felt, wow, what an incredible opportunity to harness that global purchasing influence to help drive positive change rather than it leaving this inadverted trail of destruction behind it. So that's that's kind of the broad trajectory of, of Canopy. Wow. And, um, you know, the, the sustainability award within these Global Australian Awards is always so fascinating because there are 
such a variety of ways that you can go about um, pursuing sustainability as a goal. And so as and this year, as as with previous years, just incredibly exciting to see the different uh, individuals that have been nominated for this award. And I just wanted to let you know that uh, it was a very competitive process, but the judges uh, decided that you would win this sustainability award. Oh, wow. Oh, that's, that's amazing and incredibly touching. Well, thank you. Wow, I feel, I feel a little verklempt, actually. <laughs> what was that? What was that word, verklempt? Oh, I've, I've, I kind of feel a little emotional about that. Thank you. That's very, that's very sweet um, and very generous on the judges' parts. And, and I'm sure it was a, I'm sure there were a bunch of amazing um, ideas to be choosing between. Absolutely. Nicole, it's um, with, with what you're doing, I think what's really outstanding and kind of um, inspiring for others is that as an individual, you've been able to have such a huge impact through your, through your initiatives. What are some of the big accomplishments? What, do you, what are the things you're proudest of in, as, in your career? Hmm. Well, that's, that's one of the things I, 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 about our work, right, is that, um, is that, you know, as an individual, you can have an idea and you can be doggedly tenacious. Um, uh, but really, it's the partnerships that you build that kind of shift mountains. Um, and so, you know, like, although this award is, is being given to me, it's really an acknowledgement of so many people that have worked within Canopy, as well as our partners, um, that have really dedicated themselves to shifting the dial and, and making really substantive changes uh, on the environmental front. Um, but I feel really proud of the fact that we were able to work with the publisher of Harry Potter to green the Potter series uh, and with that kind of revolutionize the way that book publishing is done globally. Um, our work within the fashion industry to redirect the viscose supply chain uh, so that it doesn't become a major driver of deforestation and forest degradation. The fact that we're close to having 500 brands on board and committed to not sourcing from ancient and endangered forests and that that has incentivized more than half of this global supply chain to shift out of sourcing from ancient and endangered forests. And then of course the fact that we are being able to kind of help advance conservation on the ground in some of the world's most magical forest ecosystems. These these landscapes that are critical for climate stability and for biodiversity. Um, so places like the Great Bear Rainforest or the Loser ecosystem uh, in Indonesia. Um, you know, and we look forward to bringing more and more of that traction to you know, some of the forest ecosystems in Australia, especially with some of the eastern forests, where, which are critical for koala habitat um, and other key forests around the world like the Amazon. Wow. Well, you've been out of Australia for a while now and it's sort of been the whole your career trajectory. What does it mean to you to be uh, recognised through this award um, by Australia for what you're doing as a global Australian? Yeah, I've been out of Australia for long enough to pick up a funny accent, as you can all tell. Um, but uh, 
I still identify as an Aussie, right? Like I still have an Aussie sense of humour. Um, you know, the Australian culture, uh, the landscape uh, is still woven into my fabric and my family is still there. So um, to be recognised uh, at this level um, is really deeply touching and meaningful. Aww. Fantastic. And we're so excited to be able to share what you're doing and, and the impact you've had in this space. Um, if I can finish with one more question, please. It's, um, and it's very much about inspiring others, but also that advice. What advice would you give to someone early in their career with a passion um, for this space that you're working in? Uh, I would say really strive for what brings you joy. Um, if you feel passionate about social justice or environmental protection, uh, then volunteer with organizations, um, have coffee conversations or interviews with people that you admire that are doing interesting and funky things within the space. Uh, read widely uh, about what things have worked historically um, and and just jump in, jump in with both feet. We need as many smart and passionate people uh, as we can get. And it really doesn't matter whether you've got sort of direct experience or not. If you're smart and you're willing and you're passionate about helping to create change, then, then there's a place. And you have an important contribution to make. Wow. Well, Thank you, Nicole. Now, I should mention that Kathy is um, a environmental warrior in our team who put, holds us all to a higher level. Um, she's the only person I know who was telling her 10-year-old um, that they couldn't buy clothes with this ingredient or this, this fabric or this one and no fast fashion allowed in her house. So, Kathy, I'm sure you've got a thousand and one fangirl questions for Nicole. Oh, lovely to meet you, Nicole. Thank you so much for your time. I don't know. Um, there was one comment, and I've written it down, and I've never heard it before uh, when you talked about a path towards climate stability. I found that such a shift of um, rhetoric, really, the, the, the words, because there's a lot of fear, and I, I've experienced all this too, fear and anxiety and worry, and there's times where I go, oh, my God, what is you know what are my kids going to face you know I, i'm seeing it coming um but by the time i get to my end of my life they're going to be right in the midst of theirs and it's going to you know like I, the cat the catastrophe of, of the possibilities around it uh, but when you spoke about the path towards climate stability i thought oh it's such a shift in determination um can you tell me a bit about that shift, I'm sure this has been a journey for you too. Yeah, I mean, the, the science is pretty sobering, right? Or depressing, depending on kind of your mood at the time. Um, but nobody wants to join the army of the glum. And we don't have the time to sit around and feel immobilized uh, by the enormity of the task. Um, you know, there are solutions that are available. They're here today. They're ready to be scaled. Uh, and so that's, that's our mission, 
right? That's all of our missions uh, in life. Our generations are the generations that will really kind of determine the future of our planet and humanity. And, and so in that respect, uh, I'll, I choose to see it as a really exhilarating time to be alive and, and what a gift it is to be able to actually do this work and to dedicate my life to it. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more on global Australian game changes over the last decade, please go to our website, advance.org.